0: Hello and welcome to the D2C podcast, I'm Eric Dick. Today we're talking with Erica Werber, founder and CEO of Literary Candle, which aims to capture the unique olfactory experiences of New York City in candle form. Today's podcast has notes of fresh cut grass and includes how New York's bad smell became a business-changing PR hit, how to actually capture and reproduce the smell of hot roasted nuts, a house in the Hamptons and the US Open, You'll hear all about Littery's TikTok strategy and why Erica shifted budget away from Google Ads entirely in favor of paid social. And you'll also hear about Erica's biggest mistake, going cheap on labels and exactly what she learned from it. Hope you enjoy it. On with the show.
1: April Fool's Day, we decided to not actually develop the candle, but take pictures of a candle called Summer in the Subway, and the scent profile was Hot Trash, and that got picked up by the morning show on ABC, Time Out New York, and suddenly, orders were coming in like every 12 minutes. It was crazy. Part of the promotion was if you purchased that candle, we would donate the profits to this charity. And in return, we would send you like a surprise candle, something from our collection. Our PR team saw an opening there. And I think in the first nine months, we sold 10,000 candles.
0: Imperfect Foods, Instacart, Nespresso, and Coach all use Kohli to generate TikTok videos that are on-brand, on-budget, and on-time. As one of TikTok's first creative partners, Kohli has the track record, know-how, and tools to help you TikTok your way to short-form glory. And now you can tap into that exclusive expertise with Kohli's TikTok Creative Brief Template. It has all the steps you need for successful creator collaborations and best practices to create fun and engaging TikToks. Head to coli.com slash TikTok to download your free copy and start creating TikToks for your brand that people actually want to watch. That's C-O-H-L-E-Y dot com slash TikTok. Erica, welcome to the D2C podcast. Can you start with the why of Literary Candle? Why did you build Literary Candle?
1: Absolutely. Um, It was something personal to me. The original idea was not actually an idea to develop a business. My father, a born and raised New Yorker, was a huge fan of hot roasted nuts. And if you've ever been to New York City and you've been to Midtown You can smell them immediately. It's a very signature scent. Um, And anytime he would come into the city to visit me, he would just pick up a bag and kind of eat them as he walked to my apartment or wherever we were going to meet up. And when he passed away, I found myself going towards the carts, just trying to grab that smell, trying to get a memory of him. Um, And at some point it got me thinking, like, how can I bottle this? Like, I, I love this scent so much. Other people love this scent so much. So how do we turn this into a candle? From there, it turned into, well, what else in New York smells good? I'm a born and raised New Yorker. So I've, I've been around the block a few times and I know what smells good in the city. So, you know, immediately we thought, okay, the 28th Street Flower Market is great. Then we thought a Mr. Softie truck, like it's super exciting when you finally see them out and about, you know, at the end of March, early April again. Um, central park was an obvious one, just the smell of fresh cut grass. Uh, I'm a dog owner, so, you know, I know what the park smells like first thing in the morning when those mowers are going by. And, uh, I believe the, the fifth one we came up with was the Christmas tree guy. Um, and those are the guys that just set up their stands outside of drugstores and on the corners and you walk by them on the sidewalk and you immediately get that whiff of, pine and um, evergreen. And so that's what we started with. And I thought, okay, like, I'll I'll order the bare minimum of these scents. And maybe someone will buy one. Little did I know, it would become this huge business now.
0: (laughs) It's so evocative, right? Like smell is just such such an evocative thing. It's, it's a real teleporter in a way, the way it can transport you to a specific memory, a specific place. How hard was it to capture the smells? Like, for instance, like because I know you mentioned a few things there, like the, you know, the pine and, you know, the Mr. Softy, And these are sort of traditional smells, vanilla, pine, things like that. But when it comes to things like roasted nuts, like how, how hard was it to formulate these smells so they actually did scratch that itch and, and strike that nerve?
1: So that was the hardest one that we had to develop. We work with a lab, um, and we had to send them the nuts. I went into Midtown. I bought 10 bags of nuts, and we sent them to the lab. And they have some sort of computer program that the food actually goes into. And they come up with the profile somehow. And it took a few back and forth. I think we had maybe eight or nine different samples. And finally, the 10th one was perfect. And it was like, okay, this is it. And I actually remember walking through Central Park and I had the candle with me and I, there just happened to be a nut cart and I took it out and I was like, oh my God, we did this. Like we matched it up perfectly. So a a lot of it, especially if it's food-based, um, will get sent to the lab so that, that gets matched up perfectly.
0: You mentioned your growth and, and the, where you've gone, like, what can you say about your growth journey? Can you describe that for me?
1: Yeah. So, you know, like I said, we had ordered, you know, the bare minimum order. I thought, okay, I I think in total it was 2000 candles. I said, it'll take me a couple of years to sell this. Like who's going to buy this? And I have a a PR marketing background and I knew, okay, if if I'm going to do anything, I should hire a PR agency, let them just put a word out about it. And maybe we'll get picked up in a few local, you know, newspapers and a few people will hear about it. A few people will buy it. So um, for April 1st, April Fool's Day, we decided to not actually develop the candle, but take pictures of a candle called Summer in the Subway. And the scent profile was hot trash. And we were going to throw that up on our Instagram on April 1st and like kind of make a joke about what this candle brand is. And that took off and got picked up by I believe it was like the morning show on ABC, Time Out New York. There were just other social influencers who saw it and reposted it and suddenly I mean orders were coming in like every 12 minutes it was crazy not a bad I think from, smelling candle though well so what we did was we actually partnered with a new york-based charity and part of the promotion was if you purchase that candle we would donate the profits to this charity and in return we would send you like a surprise candle so something from our collection um and then you know, that that's how no, one, no, one no one actually wanted a candle that smelled like hot trash.
0: No. Surprisingly. Funny enough, people
1: wanted, people wanted the label. Um, there are people after the fact who emailed us and said, can you just send me the label? Um, so we actually produced a bunch of labels at that point and, and sent them out. But, um, I think our, our PR team saw an opening there and just started talking about it. And it, I think in the first nine months, we sold 10,000 candles.
0: Just on the momentum of that PR hit, mainly.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, from there, they got other exposure, obviously. And it really, you know, we launched this in March 2021. So a little over a year ago. We didn't start doing advertising until September of that year. So, really, the bulk of that just came from their PR efforts and just word of mouth at that point.
0: I'm just reading that the, the according to a smell expert, New York City smells like dried fish, cabbage, car oil, air conditioning, trash, orange peel, and five spice. Interesting. So if you could combine all of those, I feel like orange peel and five spice, there might be something that's you can nice. get away with there. We
1: do have a a a, you know, citrus scented candle called Brunch in the West Village, and that smells like a mimosa. So it's a lot of brunching happening in New York City. Oh, that's
0: great. I have a feeling just the way with the way press is and the way that story of like capturing the smell of New York City, like you could probably do that. Ev- maybe not every year, but you could probably roll that out again in a couple years with like a new aspect of New York's smellscape or something. Oh, right? yeah.
1: We've thought about doing like the Fulton Street Fish Market for one. Um, yeah. There are some other suggestions for sure. But yeah, we could you could have a lot of fun w- with that for sure.
0: Where do you sell mostly? Are, is this people in New York City? because everyone you know, so many people have New York experiences and love New York. is it a is it a national craze or is it really focused in the East there in New York?
1: So it's it definitely started off with more of a, a New York customer, but at this point we've sold to all fifty states. We've sold candles in Australia, the UK, Canada. Most of what I see specifically from our website are people from New York purchasing candles and sending them to people in other states with notes that say, I miss you, can't wait till we hang out in Central Park again or whatever, you know, the scent profile is. Um, I see a lot of Chicago, a lot of Florida. I think it's okay. People who used to live in New York and now maybe have moved on and now they're living in these other parts of the country. Um, A lot of Ohio, I see. Um, There's no rhyme or reason to it, but it's definitely not... New York as heavy anymore.
0: Got to be the best city in the world to do it for. Like, cause I know I was, I was used to watch a show where they just idolize the hot dogs, the papaya dogs and there's, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the pizza. You only get New York pizza in New York. Like New York is definitely, you know, it's built for this kind of thing. Have we, you ever thought about- We
1: have a pizza candle.
0: Oh my goodness. That would be yeah. appetizing.
1: It's actually, people worry that it's going to smell like greasy and like, pepperoni like a meat lovers pizza but it actually just smells like tomato and fresh basil and it's very beautiful any when we do an in-person thing and someone actually gets to smell it their first reaction is like no no, no I don't want to smell that and then they do they're like oh wow like that's that smells nice so even things that you wouldn't think you would want in your home um, we've been able to recreate that a bit.
0: So with a brand with a story as strong as yours and as as evocative as yours is, I imagine, and and uh, PR is what launched you in some ways. You have this PR background. Can you talk a little bit about your ongoing PR strategy? Because I've seen you've got lots of different press hits, and I I think it's a story that the PR would want to tell. Can you talk a little bit about how you've kind of kept that going throughout the journey?
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, because we have so many different scents now, there's there's a story for each one. So it's not like we just have to focus on, okay, it's a specific gift-giving holiday. It's Mother's Day. It's Christmas. We have a candle called Late Fees at the Library. It's an homage to the New York City Public Library. So during National Library Week, okay, we have a product to talk about during that week where most brands actually don't. We have, you know, an ice cream candle, okay, like on National Ice Cream Day. So we have so many different days and holidays that we can, you know, kind of wiggle ourselves into. And that's been extremely helpful.
0: And in getting PR.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we have a candle called I Have a House in the Hamptons.
0: Very Seinfeld.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And we just came out with one called I Have a House Down the Shore for the New Jersey crowd. So if you're from these parts, it's kind of like a battle of who has the better beaches. Um, And so that'll be a great summertime story for us. You don't necessarily think of candles in the summer, um, but that's how we're, you know, shoving our way into that season.
0: So you've got uh, the stories. Then what's your, so is is it you who focuses on the PR? Do you have a marketing team? Do you have a a PR firm? Is it just you leveraging some of your old contacts?
1: No, we have a PR agency, Westway Communications. Um, They're fantastic. And, you know, I tend to, I think because Literary is such a small company, but does so much, I tend to gravitate towards other companies and agencies that are small, but have a lot of power behind them. And so, yeah, they are constantly coming up with different ways to pitch the product, which is fantastic. I mean, free press is it makes it really makes a difference. And, you know, we we run our platform through Shopify and I could sit there for hours and just look at purchases, come through and see exactly where. come from and like oh this one came from architectural digest and this one came from here and it's all because look there's obviously a lot coming through our advertising now but it's great to see that okay someone read this article of the 10 best candles in architectural digest and they decided to pick mine and and go ahead and purchase it and i can see that right in front of me so it's and i think it's great for the agency also to see like oh wow like we did this work and it works. You know, people are not just looking at it and moving on, but they're they're making those purchases.
0: We just did a. You'll have to listen to the our last all killer no filler that released uh, on Friday last week with Nori, which is an iron, and they they've had so much success with PR. But most of their success with PR has actually come from taking the PR hits and refashioning them into like landing page content, into ad content. Is that something you've done with your PR before?
1: Yeah, we definitely turn it into ad content, especially when it's, you know, I think we have an ad running now that says Architectural Digest calls this the best candle for Mother's Day, um, because that's really what it it says. And so we see a lot of um, hits from that. And, you know, the way it shows up in people's Instagram stories, it looks It looks like a post from us as opposed to, you know, a highly fashioned piece of advertising. Um, So that's definitely been great as well. We've used a lot of it on our product pages. Um, We've been a part of um, Oprah's magazine, like, you know, best candles for X, Y, and Z lists a bunch of times. So we'll add that to those product pages um, because people really, you know, trust Um, that is an authority. And so if they say like, Oh, well, Oprah said, this is great, then they're going to buy it.
0: And there's a lot of respect for architects out there. So just like George Cassandra, uh, you know, that would be a great publication (laughs) to have.
1: (laughs) For sure, for sure. But yeah, there's, you know, what's I think what's also great from the PR perspective is that you're hitting so many different media. Um, We're gonna be able to speak to such a big audience because of that. It's not just New York media, it's national media. It's you know, media having to do with home decor, or it's, you know, a story about gifting. Um, there, there's a lot you can accomplish there that you can't necessarily just do with advertising.
0: iOS 14.5, the infamous Apple update, left D2C brands struggling to find and market to the right audiences. That's why hundreds of D2C brands are turning to Black Crow AI. Their plug and play machine learning technology measures in real time every visitor's likelihood to buy to build predictive audiences for retargeting and prospecting. In short, Black Crow can significantly boost ROAS by helping you specifically target people who will actually want to buy from you. Find out why brands like Magic Spoon, Barabee, and Liquid IV are using Black Crow AI. Visit blackcrow.ai to learn more and request a 30-day free trial. How do you think about partnerships? Again, I think it's a product that is like really rife for opportunities, whether it's with the library or with whoever, there's probably great opportunities for partnerships. What have you explored there?
1: So we're actually working on um, a few right now. We're co-branding a candle with the US Open, nice. um, which is great because that happens in New York City and yeah. Queens specifically. Um, so that'll be fun. We're working on a cheesecake scented candle with Junior's. Um, which is a very famous cheesecake yep. brand that originated in Brooklyn. Um, so right now, a lot of the partnerships we're working on are make sense for New York. Yeah, um, It's so. not just a random brand that wants to do something. It really has to fit within our DNA, especially if it's going to live on our website. Um, we've had requests for other things that, you know, we're now in a position that we can turn down if it doesn't make sense. We're working on a big partnership right now. I haven't quite signed the contract for it, so I don't want to name names. But we're going to partner with a major television network um, on one of their franchise shows. That also will make a lot of sense in New York City, and that's extremely exciting. As well, but, um, yeah, I think these companies like our branding. They like the stories we tell with each candle. Um, I think they appreciate the way we name our candles, and it's, you know, look, it's easy. It's just a slice of New York Cheesecake, and that's what you're gonna get when you open that candle and, and smell that.
0: I'm a tennis player, so I just that smell of the ru- the tennis balls when you first crack., oh. so that,
1: that was my <laughs> idea for the scent. um, but they're actually gonna have it smell like their signature cocktail. Uh oh, which nice. has like a melon scent. Um which is which will probably be more pleasing to yes. more people and in, in the home. But I agree with you. I, I like the scent of of tennis balls for sure. Well, I like
0: the sound. It's the whole it's the whole experience, right? You gotta have the sound too with the scent. So it may, may make more sense to go with melon, but
1: it's so interesting when you talk about, you know, social media. I was playing tennis and my tennis pro had said, why don't you make a candle that smells like tennis balls? And I was like, well, like, how would that work? And he's like, well, it could work with the U.S. Open. I was like, yeah, but then I have to, like, reach out to the U.S. Open. And what did I do? I went on LinkedIn. I find out, you know, who does merchandising for the USTA. And, like, this was maybe four weeks ago. And it's, you know, already moving forward.
0: LinkedIn is a cheat code. LinkedIn is a little bit of a cheat code. I think everyone in the industry knows about it, we don't talk about it a lot. But just that I ability. use it like Google. Yeah, me too.
1: It's amazing.
0: Do you have Navigator? Do you have the the paid version of it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's the other secret weapon. I just got on that. I just got my uh, my advertising sales team on that. And she's like, "Oh my goodness, I was been I've been doing this with one arm behind my back the whole time."
1: Yeah. Um it's in my career. It's amazing how many deals I've um done just because of searching on LinkedIn and just even figuring out like, okay, what's the email address, you know, okay, is it first name dot last name, like, you know, doing the trial and error there and it goes through. And, um, yeah, I've had a lot of success over the last few years, just finding the right people and sending an email.
0: I emailed Mark Cuban when I looked up his, I was like, what's Mark Cuban's email address many years ago. And I just emailed him out of the blue and he got back to me in five minutes. I was like, wow, this, this is, a. Uh, you know, never be afraid to reach out, I think is the moral of that story. And, and LinkedIn is a great tool for it.
1: Our um, ad agency reached out to yeah. me on LinkedIn. And at the time, I was seriously thinking about, okay, we need to start investing in this. And it was just like the right place at the right time. I was like, oh, I was just thinking about this. Here you are. Sure, let's talk. And I hired them three days later.
0: That's so cool. I think there's so much uh, in this industry, in my experience, that's based on – the word is like kismet. And one of the things that I love about it, we're actually putting on our first event in um, May, uh, was actually getting people in a room together. And that's when you can really make that kismet happen even more, right? When you can bring people together in the same room. This is – probably the longest we've gone on this podcast without talking about ads. So we better get into <laughs> you, you, what, what have been, what's been your biggest sort of uh, levers for growth uh, so far in 2022 with Literary Candle?
1: So 2022, um, definitely TikTok. Um, I, you know, was talking to some advisors and they were like, you have to advertise on TikTok. And I was like, well, how do I, how do I do that? I'm, I'm almost 42 years old. I have a 14 year old daughter. So like, I know what TikTok is, but like, I have to make videos. Like, how is that going to work? And, you know, they stressed how important it was and how cheap it still is to advertise on there. So we created an account. I think I made the first five posts. Which I quickly realized you could be as unprofessional and silly as you want on TikTok. No one's looking for these like perfectly edited videos. You find a sound that's trending. You figure out how to throw some content together. And there you go. And the more I did it, the more I got the hang of it. We then hired someone to actually create content for us. Then learned how to, you know, use that content in in advertising. um, And then realized, okay, we need other people to who are on TikTok. There's a whole Candle Talk community. Um, And these are, you know, TikTok users who have hundreds and thousands of followers that just listen to them talk about candles. So we got our candles to those people and they, you know, make videos for us. We use those videos as our advertising. And like, I have hundreds of people from TikTok coming to my website every day. I don't understand any of it, but it, it works. And, you know, we're spending the same amount of money on TikTok than we are on Instagram right now. Um, the traffic from TikTok is so much higher. I think you're getting more for your money from TikTok.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely, you know, from us, we, we advertise on Facebook and TikTok and uh, for subscribers to the newsletter. And when, when then we track their engagement with the content after the fact. And TikTok is just, it's a deeper algorithm, I, th- I think. I think, he, I think it knows more about people because of how much time people spend on it and there, and how many interests it's able to tap into so i feel like it does it it, it drives a lot of quality that's that's cool to see it. it's uh
1: also the conversations that happen in the comment section there are way more comments on our tiktok videos and a lot of it has to do with scent so there's a lot of like where's the candle that smells like this or that or and i get a few like why you know new york does not smell good like how like how are you making these candles um, but then there's like a whole back and forth and I don't see that, um, through Instagram. Do
0: you think you'll ever make one of these candles that people joke about that smells bad? Like I think about the hair, I bought my daughter for uh, Valentine's day, the Harry Potter, um, gummies that taste bad, that tastes like gross oh, things.
1: Is that the jelly beans? The
0: jelly beans, the jelly beans that yeah. taste like vomit or, or earwax <laughs> or whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever thought about actually making one of these gross ones?
1: I mean, A, I don't want to do the research for that, because that means I have to sit in a room and smell like 22 different samples of dog poop yeah. or whatever it is we're going to... Whatever, So that's yeah. not interesting to me. Um, you know, I think it's good enough that we're just having fun through images. I mean, maybe it's like a funny... gift. You know, do you call it something else and then it actually smells terrible, like those bamboozled jelly beans but um i think i just i have to hire someone to do that that uh that research for me
0: that research i'd like to step away from that you just never know like i remember when the the um there was a card game that came out with like a box of glitter or something like that and they just sent it to people they did extremely well with these sort of novelty oh i
1: remember i know what you're talking about it was like a glitter bomb
0: and I bet you could, because even in the finest sense, there actually are notes of things that smell bad too, right? Isn't that like the secret of perfume that there actually are like darker notes in, in things that smell good? So maybe there's something there.
1: We'll think about it. I'm not a big scent person to begin with. So in general, these candles are like super clean and subtle. Um, so, you know, in terms of things that are nuanced and, you know, have layers to them, I'm not sure. But um, we have a candle called, I'm looking at it right now, called I Ran the Marathon. So there, most of the comments in our posts and advertising is, well, what is that going to smell like? Does it smell like sweat? Does it smell like someone's old shoe? And it actually smells like Central Park in the fall um, because that's where the marathon ends. Um, So that's a kind of a little taste of it where it's like, this can't smell good. But then, you know, it does. But the comments there are pretty funny. It's like an in-between April Fool's joke there.
0: I love it. Um, You mentioned a shift from paid social, from Google Ads. Can you talk a little bit about why you did that?
1: I actually just wasn't seeing um, any good traffic coming from there. Uh, And the research I did on uh, social ads, it just felt like let's throw all our money into that. Um, At the same time, we were working with some retailers, uh, like Macy's, for instance, who were doing ads on Google. And so essentially, our product was still showing up when you uh, did a search for it, or, or, you know, it was still ending up in in people's laps, even though we weren't the ones paying for that. So I just felt like, okay, at that time, you know, our budgets were so small, we were trying to be so nimble. And um, I think because of the way the packaging looks and The messaging behind it, Instagram just made the most sense. Um, You know, Google was having me compete with like the Yankee Candles of the world. I was never going to top that list um, so early on in our business. And I wasn't going to get the conversation on Google ads the way I get the conversation going on Instagram, because even on the ads, people are commenting and you can, you know, provide customer service there. So there's there's just a little more access to the customer through a social ad than there is Google ads. It just goes out there. You have no idea um, really who it's hitting. And if people have questions, that you know, that's it. They're stuck.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting platform. There, and there's so many features built into it honing it down to exactly what you want to the traffic that really works can be quite an, an ordeal and and your brand is so geared for social right and I, I think that's a really good point too about the comments and, and that not being available through Google
1: and look I think you know look are, you can sell a candle to anyone at any age but really where is my audience hanging out I'm in my 40s I'm on Instagram all the time I now scroll through TikTok late at night when I have nothing else to do um, you know, I'm not like sitting on my computer, I'm not reading CNN. I, I'm not someone who's getting targeted ads like that anyway. So, you know, why should I expect my customer um, to be there as well?
0: That's a good point. Yeah. Um, in your growth journey, what would you say is the biggest uh, mistake or or lesson that you've learned from from something that happened?
1: So, you know, as I mentioned in the beginning, I did not see this as a business I just thought I have a good idea let me put it out there and so we did everything on the cheap it was like okay what what's the vessel that I have to put this candle in like what's the cheapest vessel if I if I have to order a minimum of two thousand of it what's that and you know every component let's just go with the cheapest route our candles used to be these very small glass jars and they had this um label that went around them And apparently you're supposed to actually have labels made from plastic, not paper. Paper was cheaper. I didn't know any of this in terms of, you know, what you can use on glass. Uh, We developed the candles, we labeled them, and an hour later the labels were bubbling and kind of getting bunched up and looked Awful, And I think the first, probably the first two weeks of orders that I shipped out, that's what people got. Like, it was probably sitting on their counter and just the label started coming off the glass. And we realized we just, we canceled these candles. We had 2,000 candles with these labels on. We then went back and figured out, okay, we need plastic labels, reordered those, and then had to remove the labels from those 2,000 candles, which is not just as easy as, as soon as you peel it off, there's just a papery, gluey residue that's stuck on there. So not only did we have to rip them off, we had to have them all cleaned. And it took, I think it took three months to get through those 2000 candles and get them relabeled. Again, we were a very small startup business. I was not spending money to have other people do it. It was me and our my graphic designer, and we just sat there by hand, redoing all of this. Um, it was terrible.
0: <laughs> it's one of those things because you do on your very first order when you're still as you say, like not knowing this is gonna take off and be a big concern uh, you, you it's fine to to to, to yeah you know, spend like lower amounts, but yeah, you have to find those critical thresholds that like you, you know the product still still works and 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 doesn't bubble on the label and whatnot. so yeah that that does sound like a bit of a pain and book.
1: very early on, I think. I didn't even have the product in hand yet, but I was introduced to a buyer at Macy's. And at the time, it was March 2021. We were still kind of, you know, deep into the pandemic. Candles were the number one selling item at Macy's during the pandemic.
0: Comfort, And right? I think it's
1: because, yeah, I, well, I think just people were home. It was an inexpensive way to like spruce up your space. And so before they even saw the product they placed a $28,000 order with me for the candles because they just needed stock and a lot of the companies they were working with their product was made in China ours is made in the United States so there was obviously you know shipping delays and problems there so we were about to have our product product in stock and here I am I'm like I have a $28,000 order for Macy's I can't ship them candles with labels that are bubbling. So it was really, all right, we have to get this figured out before that order goes out. But I remember like seeing orders, you know, if, if there was a, a press request, it was like, okay, which candle looks the least amount of bubbled that we can send out so they maybe won't notice it. And then, you know, it, it was really trying to figure out how to get this all done and, and get the good looking candles to the right people.
0: <laughs> have you heard of the Danish word "huga"? No. So it's spelled H-Y-G-G-E. You should look into it just because it is the, uh, it's like the entire culture in Denmark of candles. Yeah. It's like, it's oh, like, really? it, it's literally like. <laughs> well, there is the wh- a
1: candle brand actually with that name.
0: Yeah. It literally just means getting cozy kind of thing. It's this cozy vibe that you, that the whole culture is kind of based on. And candles are an essential component of Huga.
1: I like that. I like that word.
0: Uh, here's So our stock question here is if we were to give you a $50,000 grant that you had to use in some part of your business, let's say in the next like 30 to 60 days, what part of your business would you put that in right now to see the biggest return?
1: 100% content creation um, and probably all for TikTok. And so, you know, now we're at this point where we're just sending product to people to post about, but, you know, maybe it's paying them and, you know, having them receive the product, or even just hiring, um, you know, people on our team to develop content with our product as well. But that's clearly the future of where our ad spend is going to be. And, you know, really with TikTok, you have to post not even every day, sometimes multiple times a day. And so it, it's a lot. I mean, that's someone's full-time job.
0: Totally. Um, Employee generated content is almost as good as UGC (laughs) um, and an absolute essential for D2C brands, right? Um, Absolutely. Even now we've actually brought on, uh, we have uh, in in the company, like we have sort of a network of uh, influencers that are sort of like full-time employees now as well that are just, you know, there to, to make content and it's been a huge game changer for us. Um, So I think I like that answer. It makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. We've, we've been introduced to a few people who are, you know, 22, 23, and happy to like pop out videos for me here and there. Like I have a price per video and they'll come up with an idea and just shoot it to me. And that's been great because, you know, they, they don't really have high price points um, right now. But they also know exactly the type of content that needs to be made for this platform. Um, so it's, it's a perfect win-win right now.
0: This has been really cool. Do you have any uh, final words of wisdom for D2C founders who might be listening out there?
1: I think it's just about getting your hands very dirty. I've I've had that outlook throughout my entire career. No job was too small or, or, or beneath me. I've done every single Thing there is to do in this business. I've made deliveries to airports at six o'clock in the morning. I've cleaned labels, you know, off candles. I've unpacked boxes. I pack boxes. I have like scars on my hands. And, you know, I think there are a lot of people that want to build a business and they just want to be there for like the good ideas and not necessarily scrape their hands open with box cutters. And You need to do that to like really understand what the guts of this business is. And I think just continuing to do that, because if I say this job isn't beneath me, then anyone that works for me can't say that either. And so, um, you know, you want to be surrounded by people who are willing to do whatever it takes to make your business successful. And I think you have to model that. So, um, you know, that's what I do.
0: It's a talent business, and it starts with the founder, right? You were talking even just working with small teams when it comes to the agency side of things. Agencies, almost more than any other business out there, are talent businesses. It's not as always, it doesn't matter how many employees the company might have, it's who they have and how passionate they are, how incentivized they are, uh, all all those kinds of things. And and, and it definitely makes sense that it starts with the founder.
1: 100%. I think when you're excited, other people are going to get excited. And, you know, look, I also think... you're gonna make mistakes. And you know, I tell this to my kids too, when they get a bad grade on something, it's all about how you recover from that mistake. Like the mistake happened, it's in the past. So what are we gonna do about it now? Like, you can't change change that mistake. So like, okay, we move on. And what are we gonna do differently? How are we gonna push forward? Um, And I think that's an important outlook too. There's gonna be so many, especially when you're starting out, you're gonna make so many mistakes. Um, but in a week you'll forget about them and, and you'll move on to the next thing.
0: So, Always new mistakes to make. That's the best part about this business.
1: Yeah. Well, and honestly, <sighs> you're not learning unless you're making mistakes. You're not going to learn anything if everything's just at a hundred percent all the time and, and you're not trying to figure out how to get out of certain situations. So hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Um, if you're listening to this and you would like an olfactory postcard from New York City, then you should go to litteriecandle.com. That's L I T E R I E, candle.com to smell bodega coffee, afternoon in Central Park, brunch in the West Village, and all these exciting, evocative flavors. Thanks for coming on the D2C podcast today.
1: Thank you so much, Eric. It was so great to meet you and chat.
0: Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumer.alloneword.co. all one word, dot co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.